Well, welcome to Redesigning High School uh, Home Edition. Uh, my name is Terry DeBow, an English teacher and the director of special projects here at Hawkins School outside of Cleveland. And I'm Julia Griffin, director of the Mastery School of Hawkins. Well, Julia, when we came up uh, with the name of our podcast, we did not anticipate the idea that everyone would be redesigning school in real time. Uh, but here we are. Uh, what do you think? How's it going for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And so I think that all of us are being uh, tested and finding ourselves to be um, creative in ways that we might not necessarily have anticipated a month or two ago. Um, and it's, uh, it certainly is, has, is generating lots of interesting conversation with educators and parents and students all across the country. Yeah, um, it is. That's for sure. Yeah, we're yeah. all sort of listening and reading to all that. So if, if we sound different, it's because we are, we are partic we're participating in the global Zoom uh, phenomenon and we're just staring at each other on a computer screen. So hopefully it sounds okay to anyone out there listening. Um, so there are so many components of this shift to uh, remote learning. Um, and uh, everything that's been happening, not the least of which is this emotional uh, consequence of being separated and um, having a you know, pandemic um, outside our windows. Um, so I know for a lot of families, students, teachers, everyone, um, this is m more than just a, a news story. This is actually a human uh, story. And so um, for what it's worth, we just wanna make sure that we extend our wishes and prayers and hopes to everyone affected on a personal level. Um, this is a this is a trying time. It is. And, you know, and it's a time when I am so grateful for the community that we all are a part of at Hawken, um, because I think this is, uh, it, it reminds us of uh, how powerful those connections are that we, that we have, um, even at a time when it's hard to be trying to maintain those connections uh, across screens and distance yeah. um, and space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've had the, the 60 person faculty meeting uh, with everyone staring at each other. You get to see everybody's living room and people you know, yeah. watch people drink coffee when they think they're just staring at a screen, uh, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So it has been great. And, you know, people have been remarkable in terms of their ability to um, you know, push through uh, these experiences. Well, and we thought that one way we might be useful is to use this small platform we have um, to speak with teachers and students at Hawken and elsewhere uh, to talk about this transition to remote learning. Um, and so that's what we plan to do for the next couple of weeks for as long as we can and have to. So um, yeah. we're excited to do it. That's right. Well, and you know, and we have an extraordinary faculty and team here at Hawken, and we're really lucky to have one of those truly extraordinary faculty members joining us um, today. Uh, and that's Jody Ritchie, who is the chair of the Performing Arts Department at Hawken. Um, Jody has been a music educator for more than 25 years, uh, and her work spans all levels from K through 12 to university. Um, and in addition to chairing Hawkins Performing Arts Department, she's also coached teachers and administrators around the world um, through the Project Zero online classroom. So Jody, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. It's so great to see both of you today here on Zoom. And um, I'm excited for the opportunity to just share a few perspectives and ideas with teachers. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so maybe just to start, um, as you think about your work uh, as a teacher, as a chair, as a coach, what were some of the experiences and the resources that you 
drew on as you were making this transition to remote learning uh, with your students at Hawkins? Sure. So just a little background. Um, I've spent, I'm in the fifth semester of coaching online in a course called Teaching and Learning in the Maker Center Classroom. And this is one of the professional development courses offered through the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Um, and it draws on the research from Project Zero. Um, and specifically, our course draws on the research uh, of a project called Agency by Design that looks at the promises and hopes of maker-centered learning. And so when I found out that uh, we were all moving at Hawken to virtual online learning with our students, um, my first step was really to figure out um, and delve into the questions. Uh, think about how I might use the experiences that I've had with educators um, for the last few semesters with PZ um, and figuring out how I can just leverage those experiences and bring them to our high school students. Um, so I thought a lot about like, what are the questions? That's kind of where my mind went first. And um, the first big question that came up for me was this idea of um, crowdsourcing, co-inspiring, and just trying to figure out how we might utilize this current situation uh, to offer our students the best possible uh, online experience. And um, the, the idea of finding a cohort was really important to me right off the bat. So I started to reach out to educators, um, former students that went into teaching, uh, close colleagues at Hawken, friends that are teaching in different contexts, and just put together a little group. Uh, and we meet every, every week on Friday and just exchange ideas and uh, embrace the shared experience. Um, so that was a first step and a really important one. Um, and then the other question that I was thinking a lot about is this idea of how, how might we make sense of our current context and use um, the, the situation that we find ourselves in as an opportunity to create, evolve, and reinvent as educators. So that was really on my mind. And, um, and then finally, just like, how do we bring play and joy to our students in an online uh, setting? So yeah, so I was uh, grappling with a lot of questions and reaching out and trying to find as many people um, that I, that I could kind of like harness the collective energy and figure it out together. Um, that's great. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it strikes me and part of what my conversations have been with uh, colleagues in the last few weeks uh, that resonates with what you said um, is that this is such a time to draw on the models, the relationships, the experiences that we've had and to, and to build from our strengths. Um, like, and I think that, that, that those relationships that you were referencing, that you are, um, drawing on and building that cohort, um, those can be so powerful at this time, um, as you say, to, to co-inspire. I have a similar group, um, and have found that to be really helpful. Um, and I, I think that connection, as we were talking about before, um, is so critical, uh, to, to helping us navigate the the, this shift. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a challenging part to it because we're also just so isolated that it requires an effort to create those, those groups. Um, right. Whereas in school, you can see people in the faculty room or you can, you know, see people in the hallway and ask a 
questions. So um, I really love how deliberate you are with this, Jody. So I'm curious a little bit about, that seems a little theoretical, like how's it actually happened? You know, we're teaching half an hour every other day in our synchronous classes and you know our asynchronous work. What's it actually look like in your classes? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I think something that I've been thinking a lot about is just how we might transition and build community. Uh, we already had communities established before we went to this remote online learning model. So it's it's interesting because we almost have to start again from the beginning and how do we how do we cultivate that community? Uh, and that's what a lot of my synchronous uh, classes or interactions have been about for the last few weeks. Um, asking and getting to really deliberate questions like how are you taking care of yourself and others? Um, I think that because we're in a remote learning situation that we have to be even more deliberate um, and intentional about the questions that we're asking our students. We have that half an hour period to get everybody to feel connected um, and uh, asking them, you know, just a simple question like, how are you taking care of yourself can really result in some really powerful interactions. So that's what really what our synchronous work has looked like. How do we maintain and keep cultivating community? That's number one right now. And then our asynchronous work for, um, for our classes across performing arts at Hawken has been about choice, uh, offering students the opportunity to use the content um, and explore it in a way that will allow them to cope and react to the context that they're in. So for example, we started off with um, a project looking at Yo-Yo Ma had this really inspiring um, post about songs of comfort and joy amid a global crisis. And um, our students watched that piece and thought a little bit about it. And then they responded by offering something in a discussion thread that they felt our musical community needed right now. And it was really powerful because they had choice and they were also thinking about solutions that were going to impact the people in our, in our community, in our class. Um, and then from there, we've done a lot of choice work. Um, I've given students some ideas about possible projects that they can engage in throughout the week. And um, they, they can pitch their own project and really thinking about this big question of how they might use music to cope uh, with the global pandemic and respond to it. And uh, many, I'm sure many of you have seen how people are using the arts around the, the world right now in really amazing ways. And this constraint um, of being in our homes and also the constraint in some ways of having a lot of time um, has led to some really powerful and beautiful works by our students. That's fantastic. You know, I'm teaching a screenwriting class and uh, I was, to be honest, a little tentative about, you know, what asking them whether they should or whether they wanted to include this current moment in what they were making. And so I left it as an option. Um, but it strikes me that the the arts, you know, writing the music, but these are opportunities for for, you know, students to really process in some ways and come to terms with what's happening. Um, it's certainly how we're consuming, right? We're watching and we're listening and, you know, we're thinking, but the act of making is obviously really powerful too. I'm, I'm curious a little bit in your uh, coaching work with Project Zero, you do, it talks a lot about making thinking visible. I'm wondering if that's any way related to the kind of work you're doing. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so thinking routines are um, a really integral part of what we do, uh, both in the classroom and in our online learning context. So uh, I've been using the routines as uh, to help students process and reflect on the experiences that they're having outside of our synchronous moments. Um, and there's some really amazing routines. Uh, one that comes to mind is See, Think, Wonder, um, where students look at project work uh, from someone else in the class and they pose um, and respond to these three prompts. You know, what is it that you see? What do you think about what you see? And what does it make you wonder? Um, the other routine that I've been using a lot, I, I use it uh, again in uh, normal, I will say normal classroom teaching, sure. um, and also online is uh, the thinking routine called Connect, Extend, Challenge. Uh, where students will read or think about um, content and then uh, share their ideas about how the content connects to what they're thinking, extends their thinking, or challenges their thinking. Um, and then finally, I think the other piece that has been really vital in the online world right now with students um, there's a research project called Out of Eden, um, and they have some really great tips for helping students to engage in discussion forums. And something that I've been thinking about that I think is uh, a really amazing opportunity is our students live and, and um, are in virtual worlds with one another all the time. They're, they're using technology to connect. Um, and communicate and now we get to be in this world with them mm. and we get to model for our students what um, what it looks like to have really um, high quality and, and important conversations in that forum so yeah there's just there's so many resources out there and I would highly recommend um, visiting the the project zero website for some of those visible thinking routines they're yeah, really powerful I'll, I'll We'll put them in the show notes for sure, but those are really uh, powerful. Yeah. yeah, and the yeah, and I was just going to add the routines are really about um, tools that enable students to develop have really important habits of mind. When we ask students to uh, wonder or puzzle or um, or, or articulate what they think, um, then they're developing that habit of inquiry and looking at the world um, closely and, and uh, sharing their perspectives with one another. So um, the routines I, are, I think they're just amazing and I use them both in the online course with educators, now with students online and also in the classroom. Well, and I think, um, you know, as you said before, Jody, thinking really carefully about what the questions are that we're asking, especially in an online environment, is so important. And um, the, you know, in the same way that we, in refining our schedule at Hawken, like for what our schedule was like for online learning, we were looking for some predictability and stability and things you could come back to. I think the thinking routines have that kind of, they're very clear and they are all about habit building, as you say. And so that kind of that kind of bedrock stability is a thing that all of us can benefit from right now, especially. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, uh, to, to come back to some of what you were saying about how, how this, this is a unique moment where adults and students are cohabitating in this virtual world. Um, you know, all three of us on this call are teachers and also parents. 
um, and you have two children in high school. Um, I just am curious what your experience of this moment has been like from the parent lens and whether there are any ways that that might be informing how you're thinking as a, as a teacher as well. Sure. Um, well, first, my I have two children. I have a current sophomore and junior, and they're both um, lucky and privileged in this moment to be at Hawken. Um, and both of my my kids are taking full advantage of the opportunity. Um, I've seen them dig into things that um, you know they've always wanted to do. Like my daughter's learning to play guitar and you know writing songs and. And it's just, it's been really neat to see them um, take charge of their own learning in that way and have the time and the space uh, to do that. And um, the other thing that I, you know, I, I always say like, okay, I have my faculty hat on or my parent hat on, but for those of us that have, right. Julia you, and Terry, you know this, for those of us that have had uh, students, it, you know, involved in the Hawken experience, it's hard to do that because we're so invested in the school as teachers, but also as parents. And so I think the, the most amazing thing for me right now has been being able to see the dedication of the faculty. Um, we have our, our advisory program has been just incredible what advisors are doing with our students right now and how they're connecting. And um, I've been thinking a lot about how our faculty as a whole, like we're always driven by experimentation and this idea of students first, like that's what we live every day, whether we're teaching online or at school and um, the efforts of my colleagues and the teachers that, that my kids are interaction, interacting with have been heroic. Um, and I just feel really grateful and privileged that they have this opportunity to learn with Hawken right now. So it's been interesting at my house, we have a daughter who's in college and a daughter who's at a local public school and uh, their work has been primarily asynchronous. And so it's required them to generate a lot of their own motivation, et cetera, et cetera. So I can see the value in what uh, synchronous classes do for if nothing else to create that routine, to keep people engaged, to hold people somewhat accountable um just that you know they have to show up and that's so much of, of life and so i i think what uh we're trying to do at hawk and I, and i know schools all over the country all over the world are trying to figure this out um i do think there are moments that you realize that adults in education and other fields um you know they invest we invest a lot of energy and i think it does hopefully a lot of good for for young people so um that's good to hear well jody it's been great to have you on our home edition of redesigning school we hope people could hear it uh and uh we, your your experience and perspective is so valuable so thank you for joining us thank you terry thank you julia thank you so much uh well we want to introduce uh, a student perspective now we have zoe neely who is a senior at hawk and how are you doing zoe I'm good. How are you? Good. So uh, we're all Zooming, so it sounds a little strange. But we wanted to hear from you and what it's like all of a sudden in the middle of your senior year to move from being a, you know, doing school like you've been doing it for your whole life to doing it on a computer at the t end of your whole <laughs> high school career. So with just a general question, like, how's it going? What's it like uh, in this mode for you? 
it's definitely I think for everybody it's been like a big adjustment student teachers um and I appreciate all the work that like our faculty has put into trying to make this the best that they can with the situation that we're given um there's like some nice things like I do enjoy getting to roll out of bed five minutes before my class starts like that's kind of a weird unexpected perk I guess um I think the biggest thing that I miss for sure is like the in-person interactions and like there's just a lot of limitations as to what you can do on zoom versus what you can do in a classroom so that's been like a big challenge for i think most people right um so we're doing a screenwriting class together that's a class where there's a lot of independent work um can you describe a little bit about classes how, how various disciplines and various classes have, have approached this this asynchronous and synchronous you know kind of structure? yeah uh, I think for most of my classes, at least, I don't know if this is, like, this is just my perspective. It might be different for other students, but I've been having, like, synchronous Zoom, like, the half-hour Zoom meetings pretty much for every block that I that I have. Um, and, e like, I, I know some kids maybe aren't a fan of it, but I guess I like having it because it gives some sense of structure, like, for my site class and world religions class, those are usually very, like, discussion-based classes in, like, 80 minutes gets a lot more of the discussion done, but even in those 30 minutes, like you can touch on like a little bit and just sort of make sure that like everyone understands what's happening, at least the basics of it. Um, for our screenwriting class, we've sort of shifted to doing, like we were gonna write a whole another act one, but now we're doing short films. So I like that we're keeping the like creative component. I think that's a big thing that's helped. It's like trying to have, a lot of my classes are trying to bring in like fun projects and things like that and just like having that creative outlet I think is nice and important rather than just like listening to lectures. So I'm glad you said that because I think that space for creativity and choice in online learning um, is really is really important. Uh, can is there as you think about the uh, the day and the week and what your your life is like are there any kind of parts of the routine that you have found are particularly helpful for you in trying to create a sort of new normal? I do appreciate, um, there's a lot of stability, like the teachers um, are all offering like office hours and things like that, which is like, there's been, like the amount of communication that is going on between the faculty, like within the faculty, within the student body, within student teacher relationships is a very helpful thing to have. So one of, one of the big shifts we did is we moved to pass fail, um, which is not every school is doing that. But curious, like, how did that feel? Even though you're a second semester senior, you're going to go to college. Like, how did the elimination of, of the grade affect your um, your experience so far? I mean, as a second semester senior, like I was all down for that. That sounds good to me. Um, I think it definitely takes a lot of the stress away because um not having to worry about the grade i guess anymore like for all not just for like as a senior but like in general is trying to like do your best work ever over zoom and like produce the same kind of assignments that you would in school and stuff like that i think is hard and so having it more be about like the effort like just showing that you're putting in the effort I think is important, but like maybe not necessarily having that same like base like on accuracy, I think that we usually do or something like that. 
So I think it was an, it's definitely a different, like I've never had besides like middle school kind of where like some classes were pass fail. It's not been something I've experienced, but I do appreciate the shift. So I'm curious if there, if there was something that you, um, that you wish your teachers knew that they don't, that they, you don't know if they know or not about what it's like to be a student at this moment. Um, you know, I hear you talking about how much you appreciate the communication and the accessibility of teachers and all of that. But at the same time, you know, we have a different lens um, than yeah. you do. So I'm just curious. Um, I guess some of these, I think a lot of us are just feeling unmotivated um, to do work. I don't think that's exclusive to the students. Um, uh, and I guess I don't really have a good answer for like how to be more motivated. Like it's kind of a day in day out battle to like just keep going and like doing the work and things like that. I mean, I think motivation in schools is always, I mean, it's probably something we don't think about enough. I mean, we use grades and all kinds of tools to keep people motivated, but that's, that, that's an extrinsic kind of motivation. It's not <laughs> something internal. Um, but of course, for teachers, we care really deeply about what we're teaching. And so we want you to be yeah. motivated in, intrinsically. So this is kind of a curious little experiment. Like, can we take the extrinsic away, <laughs> isolate you, and see yeah. if we can get you to be intrinsically motivated? It's not a great uh, model, probably, for doing yeah. that. But I'm just wondering, if the, have you had experiences or projects where you felt yourself doing something, even though there was no external reward or fear of punishment? that was uh, driving you? I think for um, a lot of the creative work, just like for me personally, I enjoy being a creative person. So like for our screenwriting class, like I want to, I really want to write my short film. Like I enjoy writing our short film and like there's not the looming, not threat, but I guess like there's not, like you're saying that ex extrinsic motivation of the grade. It's more just like, you know, I want to do this for me and like maybe down the road I could do something with it. Like I'm going into animation for college. So like I, in my head, I could see this, you know, pursuing that later down the line. So there's like, at least for me personally, I have that kind of um, intrinsic motivation for that project specifically. Um, I don't know if it carries as strongly with other classes. I think it really depends like student for student, if there's something they are really passionate about, like, um, but it's hard, at least for me personally, to have that same sort of like, like I will still do all my work, but it's hard for me to have that same passion for things that I'm kind of like just doing because I have to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean. Good thing, so, good no, go thing you have that terrific Mr. Debeau as your screenwriting teacher. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah there, was a, you know, there was an elaborate walk around about to get to the compliment. That was what I was looking for. But I was going to say something to you, Julia, which is that um, it's actually an interesting uh, sort of laboratory test for the mastery school, which is going to be about, it's an ungraded school, it's going to be mastery credits, not grades. Um, and uh, so much of what students are, are will do will be pursuing things that they find interesting or they feel called towards. I mean, there will yeah. obviously be things they have to know and do have. So, I mean, I'm just curious, what do you think? Like, do you think this is some window into uh, what they, students might experience or all the unschooling we're going to have to do to get them to be really intrinsically motivated? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, no, I'm glad you asked. I mean, I would say first that the context in which everything is happening right now is in the context of a global crisis. So there are all sorts of layers of uncertainty and anxiety 
that are much more present now than they are for, for most of us in our daily life in a normal day. Um, so that's a layer that makes concentration, motivation, and all of those things, I think, much more challenging than it usually is. And I've experienced that too. And I think plenty of adults oh, yeah. are experiencing that. So. Not you're, You and, and the students are not alone in that one, right. so, as you said. Um, <laughs> but I think that this idea of, you know, taking aside a few of those layers of um, anxiety and uncertainty, um, I think the conversations that I've had in the last several weeks about motivation have been fascinating. Um, and the ways that in the last several years in working and designing the mastery school that I have been thinking a lot and the team and the folks that I work with have been thinking a lot about motivation and, and tapping into intrinsic motivation in school um, aligns beautifully with what we're doing right now. Um, because so much of traditional school is built on that. It's built on those extrinsic reward kind of, you turn it in and you get a carrot, you turn it in and you get the grade um, kinds of routines. Uh, and that, that we, as at schools train us up to, to be on that particular hamster wheel of rewards. Um, and when you take away the hamster wheel, what's left? Um, and I think the answer that you gave about Zoe, about what's interesting to you is that is what's left. Like what, what do you actually care about? What really matters? Um, we talk about it as the de-schooling process um, in the context of, you know, of macro classes like ENTRE and engineering and in the context of the mastery school that it takes time to actually get out of that cycle. Um, and a lot of us are having a little trial run of it right now right. Um, because then you have to actually have to decide like, oh, why am I doing my work? Is it because I care what Mr. DeBow thinks of me? Is it because I care about animation? Is it because I'm accountable to my partner, my classmate, whom I'm working with on this, and I don't want to let them down. Like, why is it that any of us do do anything, really, if it comes yeah. to that? Right. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of overlap. And I think a lot of people who didn't necessarily plan on doing a little experiment on motivation are now are now in one. Yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, I just have a quick question. I mean, not that you would ever want this. But could you imagine what uh, school would feel like if you were you had a little bit more control over the things you invested a lot of your energy in, things you invested a little bit of your energy in? Do you how do, how do you think school would feel if it was a little bit more driven in those by those forces? I think it would be like a better. It would, I think it would make me work harder. Like I'll give an example. I did this pre college program this last summer and it was all art based. And so like, that's just stuff that I genuinely love doing so much. And like, I will get lost in it for hours. So the courses I were taking, like they were graded, but a lot of what I was doing was driven by like, I want to make this art good for myself and like to prove to my teacher that like I have talent or I don't know, talent, parentheses, whatever. Um, but like that kind of experience and like that kind of learning where it was very like niche and focused, I think, was a great experience that I think it's in some ways like it was a pre-college thing so it's kind of foreshadowing for college in some ways where a lot of your learning is like more you get to choose what you're doing I guess and it's more like yes there's a grade but I feel like a lot of it is also like you make like you make it what you want basically it's kind of up to you to put it in you'll get out of it what you put it in that was the phrase I was looking for yeah yeah well, I I think uh, it'll be really interesting for, again, no one wanted this, but yeah, you know, no. the next academic experience you have to be in college where maybe it is driven by those forces. So 
Um, Julia, anything else for our friend Zoe? You know, I just wanted to say that I think for so many of us who are teachers, um, that we really just feel for you as seniors. This is just a hard, a really hard thing to be going through. Um, And, you know, so I just, you know, I, and I don't know if you want to speak to this at all about how that, how that part feels for you, just having to culminate your time at Hawken at a, at a time like this. It's definitely, I mean, like you said, no one saw it coming. I did not see this coming. Like freshman me, if you'd said like, this was going to happen, I'd be like, you're crazy. So it's been an adjustment. I don't think like there's definitely been sadness in it for me. I think for a lot of other seniors, but I have sort of come to terms, like I guess with where it's at and like trying to make the most of what we can from it. Um, I know the school is still pushing to have things like graduation and prom happen, which is like great to see. And I would love to have that happen. But if it doesn't, like I made my peace with it, I guess. So a bit of a downer, but like I, there will be other great things in life that I'm looking forward to. So. Yeah. Well, you're fantastic. And it does speak to your resilience and, uh, and I, yeah, I think globally the resilience of this class of, of seniors who, you know, are going through something unprecedented. You know, um, so it's really it's 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 inspiring and sad. You know, we wish that you had these experiences, and I think the school's going to do everything we can to to give you some version of it. So, yeah, anyway, we want to thank you yeah. for joining us. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you are now officially on, so on, on, a, on a school podcast. So wow, wow, it's right. <laughs> so all right, well, thank you for joining. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Jody and Zoe for taking the time to speak with us in this uh, very complicated moment. Uh, and we're going to try and do more of these podcasts um, just so we can keep connected with our community and hopefully share some insights and some experiences um, with uh, remote learning while we're all we're all doing this kind of work. Um, want to thank Nick Fletcher, as always, who edits these pieces together. Um, if you like our podcast, please review it on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, These reviews help with the magic algorithm and uh, can put the podcast in front of more educators, parents, and students. Um, If you like our stuff, follow Redesigning School on social media channels, whichever one floats your boat. Uh, Don't forget to go to redesigningschool.org where you can ask us questions, leave comments, request topics, shower us with compliments, etc. And while you're there, you can subscribe to our newsletter, which we're going to put together again soon. Um, It's got all the good stuff. So until next time, thank you for joining us.